And the arrow has apparently lost this duel not once, not twice, but eight times prior to this. I'm telling you, somebody had a grudge against Green Arrow <laughs> when they wrote this. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I'm Andrew Tejada, codename RJ. We've got thoughts about yet another DC project, so we'll share them here on Yet Another DC Animated Podcast, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Welcome to yet another episode of yet another DC animated podcast. My name is Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I am Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. Andrew and I have known each other since 1996. That was the year Justin Huish became an American double Olympic champion in archery. He was known for his unorthodox character sporting wraparound shades, a backwards baseball cap, ponytail, and an earring. He grew up on a street called Broken Arrow, thought archery was boring, but mastered it at age 14 after just decided to do it for one day. <laughs> Roy Harper is somewhere right now. It's just like, Broken Arrow? What? What? <laughs> <laughs> also, fun fact, I'm 90% sure that was the character design, the original character design for Green Arrow, probably. <laughs> On the wraparound shades, the backwards yeah. baseball cap? Maybe oh, they wait, stole was, it from him. Yeah, that was actually a character design for Roy. <laughs> <laughs> Check out Red Hood and Arsenal, y'all. Um, when Roy went full on Daryl with a ball head. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, but archery's cool. Archery's cool. It's been around for a while. Uh, it's been around for so long that if it's connected to like. One character in particular that we talk about a lot in this DC universe, uh, he's the DC universe's original cherub because this boy has a bow and arrow as we talk about Green Arrow in today's Calendar Man special celebrating Valentine's Day. Yes, we are back once again to talk about all kinds of love, whether it be love for another person, love for a friend, love for a family, self-love, which is very important, and love for bow and arrow, which Arrow has in this DC showcase, Green Arrow. So before we start, uh, we do want to issue a bit of a content warning for this short that we're going to talk about, as there is some gun violence that is shown in the public place. So if this is not your jam, please move on um, for and protect yourself and practice self-love. But now we're going to talk about the show. So at a runtime of 11 plus minutes or so, this thing, I realize it's so old that I feel like it's it came out in 2010, mm. which doesn't sound old, but when you really think about the fact that it's been more than a decade since this came out, <laughs> <laughs> and it's an animated short film that was directed by Joaquin Dos Santos, who mm. um, has directed such stuff as The Spectre, Jonah Hex, Superman Shazam, The Return of Black Adam, which we covered on this podcast, episodes of Young Just, oh, sorry, Episodes of Justice League Unlimited, Avatar The Last Airbender, and Legend of Korra, as well as Voltron Legendary Defender, and most recently got like the big screen directorial debut, I believe, of, of Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. You know, that little small movie. Few people have heard of it, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't do anything to change our lives drastically for our, for all time. <laughs> Creating what might be the greatest trilogy ever created. <laughs> <laughs> Watch out, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the screenplay was written by a very familiar name here as we got Greg Weissman, who put this together. We already know Greg from Spectacular Spider-Man, Gargoyles, and most importantly, our entire last season of Young Justice. <laughs> we got the animations provided by Moy Animation Studios. Uh, we've talked about them a lot in the past, and they've done a lot of the animation work on a bunch of the shows that we've already listed here. So it's time now to get into the cast list starting with a man who's known across the comic book universes both animated and live action uh you know him in marvel as dun dun dugan we know him in the cw arrow versus damian dark who ended up killing black canary spoiler <laughs> um, but now he's voicing the partner in her iconic romance green arrow aka oliver queen it's so weird because his he's so good in the role 
by right? Kate. I was like, that's Danny and Dark. Don't trust him. <laughs> <laughs> there were a lot of lines. I was just like, oh, man, is this is this the moment? Is this the moment where he turns heel? Nope. <laughs> All good. Uh, next up, when you see this man on the scene, you can expect it to run like clockwork because Malcolm McDowell provides the voice of our hero's dark arch rival, Merlin. And that was a clockwork orange joke. So <laughs> get classy, people. <laughs> uh, so next up, we got she will continue on voicing it in her modern take of the Young Justice family as Ariel Winter uh, brings Princess Perdita to sorry, Princess turned Queen Perdita to the animated screen. Then we got voice talent John DiMaggio for resume too long for this podcast. Honestly, I'm just going to stop it right here. He is Merc number one. <laughs> <laughs> It is wild to be calling him Merc number one, given the fact that in 2010, I feel like he was like almost every character. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Was that his Joker? Yeah, it was his Joker year. Oh, mm-hmm. man. Speaking of someone who voices a lot of people, if you Google search this man, uh, your screen might not be able to show every character he's ever voiced. <laughs> as we have Tom, a.k.a. Steve Bloom, in one of his earliest appearances as Count Werner Vertigo. And finally, wrapping it all up, we'll always Canary cry her name from the rooftops as we have Gray Delisle as Black Canary, a.k.a. Dinah Lance. That's something I'd like to see more of. I'd Mm -hmm. like to see her come back as Black Canary at some point. (laughs) Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, I feel like her and I believe it's Vanessa Marshall who voiced uh, Black Canary. Those two have her on lock. Like, they perfect, perfect voice acting for that. Um, especially because we'll talk about it, but like there's some just even just great little one liners that mm-hmm. I wish we could have a chance to see more of. But it's an animated short. And with that, we're going to just jump right into it. Send a shot to your heart on this Valentine's Day special with the beginning of DC Showcase's Green Arrow. So we get a cool live action intro. I want to mention you go into a comic shop and then you stop on the comic. I think they should bring that back um, in the Gunverse when they're shooting the guns. But in the short itself, uh, Green Arrow made the classic mistake. He went to the airport to pick somebody up way too late. And now mm-hmm. he's stuck in traffic. You know, you, you get a little little hints at his uh, character in case you <laughs> missed the fact that this is a Green Arrow short because he, he screams at someone because the arrow turned green. Get it? <laughs> um, And just as he's about to uh, go meet Dinah, pick up everything, get ready, he spots his old foe Merlin um, sporting a... Uh, <laughs> It's a hair choice. It is a strong <laughs> hair choice. What he has. <laughs> it reminded me, I had to Google this, but like the first thought that came to mind was the villain from Crash Bandicoot. Yes. <laughs> oh, Cortex. That is, a, Cortex. Yeah. that is a Cortex looking haircut. <laughs> it is. I just need to know how much product is in that hair, to be honest. All of it. <laughs> and it's a cool scene because um, apparently the, he has a very souped up phone. Um, I didn't think that phone technology was this advanced back in the day, but he's able to take an image, take a picture of Merlin from the distance. And, you know, already camera phones was probably not a thing back in 2010, I believe. But at that point, it links up to the Justice League database so he could pull up files all about Merlin. And on this, like, literally, like, one by one screen, he has to read all the information to prove that this is Merlin the Dark Archer. (laughs) Well, he does have good eyesight, so I'll I'll give it to him. (laughs) So now that everybody's heading on inside, we see that a lot of the area is cordoned off because of Queen Perdita. She's arriving, and security detail for both the airline and for the um, her own personal detail, are just trying to make sure that people, especially the paparazzi, don't try to swarm her too much. But unbeknownst to everyone in the crowd, this is where we see a bunch of shady henchmen start to plan out their attack. And as Perdita starts heading down the escalator for three bodyguards, we see that these henchmen are posing as paparazzi using guns that look like cameras. <laughs> What security is at this airport? Because, look, people, people, if you put a gun inside of a camera, you, on the metal detector, the gun is still going to show up. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> 
they're metal guns. It's not like a plastic gun situation. It's a metal gun. What was the TSA at this airport doing? Did they all go out for lunch at the same time to Big Belly Burger? <laughs> what was going on? <laughs> it is, yeah, it's like, I don't even know. Like, it's cool technology to think that. I mean, no, actually, it's scary technology. I'll take that back. That is very scary to think that that can get through. But it's also giving me just, like, the same vibes of just, like, uh, Penguin and having his gunbrella. It's just like, <laughs> why? Who is out there just putting guns in everything? <laughs> and that's not that's not a joke. That's actually <laughs> about another certain thing. But we're not. We're just going to keep on going. Keep on going. <laughs> they kept asking themselves what they should. Never stop. Um, <laughs> and then... As they start attacking security with their gun cameras, which, are, look, even though it's a very serious situation, it is hilarious that they have to look through the camera and, like, oh, they're taking yeah. a picture to shoot. <laughs> it's a literal point-and-shoot camera, people. Yeah. <laughs> it is hilarious. And here we discover that Queen Perdita's security is awful because not only do they go down instantly, I mean, <laughs> all of them instantly, but the one survivor tries to run up the down escalator. My man, my man, wh what are you doing? You, There were multiple escape routes, and that was the worst one you could have chosen. What's going on with your security, <laughs> Perdita? <laughs> you know, this uh, is definitely not no bow hunter security. I'm telling you, they would have had this on point, man. <laughs> bow hunter security, they wouldn't even got into the building. Roy would have blown them all up. But <laughs> thankfully, in the middle of this, Green Arrow shoots a smoke arrow, enters in, and says, sorry I was late. Changing clothes in a hybrid is difficult, which I can certify is 100% fact. So now he's able to take down a few of the people who are there, at least like the initial wave, as he starts walking over to Perdita, and he introduces himself. And something that I appreciated that he did was that um, during this era of 2010, this is when we got introduced to the cooler edgier green arrow that wears a hood i want to say that smallville is responsible for this <laughs> um so since then we were just seeing green arrow in a hood so he takes off his hood to show perdita his more human face because i get it like there have been a couple of superhero storytelling out there where a child that is scared after being saved by the hero sees this very like monstering looking individual heading towards them and they immediately freak out and um i think show like movies like spider-man have done this well where they t he shows he takes off his mask and shows like hey i'm a friendly guy and i appreciate that they did this here in this animated short too so as green arrow tells her or it's like all right we gotta keep going we gotta go keep moving along unfortunately though this is where we see that on every floor of this entire airport there is some new adversary that's coming out to start shooting at them and thankfully they make their escape with the use of a sonic arrow pointed at one of the uh the windows so they use a sonic arrow plus a zipline arrow to travel down to the runway where we see the craziest thing of all a plane marked gotham world airway and i need to know who is flying into gotham <laughs> who people, willingly chose that people with death wishes all right <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's, the... easier, it's easier to fly spirit people <laughs> <laughs> I mean equal chances of survival there um, <laughs> so on the ground a nice little moment Green Arrow is saying a plane moves by and he's like oh that dragon almost got us and Perdita's like I, I, you don't need to patronize, bro. I, I know what a plane is. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> don't dress it up, Robin Hood. Again, get, <laughs> sticking another arrow in Green Arrow. Hey. Um, <laughs> and as they're trying to make their escape, Merlin starts targeting them more specifically, and Green Arrow does take a hit in the leg. And I want to remind people, because he stops at one point, I know this is a life or death situation, decisions have to be made. Don't pull an arrow out of a wound. That's probably the only thing keeping it from bleeding. So... Mm -hmm. Don't don't just do that willy nilly like Oliver did. <laughs> he did it a little too quick. So he does pull out the arrow, uh, though it won't affect him too much because he is on the Justice League and he is trying to protect this girl. And the, he does find out that 
because her father died last night in secret, she's not just a princess, she's a queen. And he also uses that Batman leap of logic to think, hey, do you have any relative, like an uncle, like a, a Count Vertigo of some sort? And he immediately is like, Okay, that's why someone's trying to kill you. Your uncle wants to become the king. So we definitely got to get you to safety. But Merlin is not going to make that easy. Definitely not. Because for some reason, I need to know, like, how they assemble these things because we see it a lot in any kind of like uh comic book archer storytelling where it's just like all these different kinds of trick arrows this one in particular merlin has a fire arrow is really the only way i can describe <laughs> it <laughs> and he takes it out it's ignited on site i'm just like how is it possible that he pulled the arrow from his back and it not blow up anything else in that quiver so once he does, takes the ignited arrow, he shoots it at a gas tank. Another red flag to do at any <laughs> airport. And the blast is strong enough that it sends Green Arrow and Queen Perdita into the conveyor baggage sorter, basically reigniting every fear that um, a Toy Story 2 fan ever had when that, <laughs> during that one particular scene. Yeah, and things are not going to get better because... While in on the conveyor belt, uh, one of the thugs that Ur Vertigo hired shows up. I don't know why. I thought he looked like a character on the Boondocks. This particular dude, you know. Oh, it was um <laughs> thing. One of the one of the 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 guy that owns up all the land. That sounds really bad when you say it out loud. When you <laughs> oh, say it like this. Something Hauser or yeah. When like it was the two guys that want to be black. And they yeah. always try to like team up with Riley to to rob things. They try to steal Oprah that one time. <laughs> yes, yes. He lo he looked exactly like that. Maybe it was the animation. But let me tell you, this villain needs to join the Justice League because the work he was giving to Green Arrow <laughs> in this was ridiculous. Green Arrow, to be clear, almost lost this fight. And the only reason he won is because he had his access to his bow and started using his bow as a as a blood weapon. If he didn't have his bow, it was capped. It was done yeah. for this guy. And to further insult Green Arrow, I don't know who hates Green Arrow because <laughs> after he barely wins this fight... He gets taken out by a low ceiling <laughs> and ends up falling down a, the conveyor belt onto the carousel in an airport. Man, someone really hates Green Arrow. <laughs> <laughs> I also do. I They do hate him, but I will say they do do well with writing his lines. There was one line in particular where uh, the same guy was trying to kill him and Green Arrow was just like, wait, I thought you were trying to come after the kid. And it's just like, not many heroes can get away with saying, like, I will sacrifice this kid if you just let me go. Like, stay on task, bro. Like, what did they pay you for? <laughs> so now that Perdita sees Green Arrow, her savior is about to, like, plummet to down into the carousel for the baggage claim. She tries to reach for him, but she he tells her to let him go. And they both come down into, I don't know, like, carousel number two here. And... They think they're safe, but then immediately an arrow comes at their head, and thankfully he's able to grab someone's luggage. Let's just hope that nothing dangerous was in there in that bag. <laughs> so block the arrow from hitting them, leading into now Merlin off on the side, arrow pulled back, and green arrow on the carousel, inching closer and closer to him as they decide it's time to do this duel that they do several times. A duel that we have seen in the past. Actually, we have not seen this in the past. We just get the context clues that this <laughs> duel has happened. And that Arrow has apparently lost this duel, not once, not twice, but eight times prior to this. I'm telling you, somebody had a grudge against Green Arrow <laughs> when they wrote this. <laughs> um, so it comes down to the climactic shoot-off. And as their arrows collide... Green Arrows goes through Merlin's and it shoots gas, knocking Merlin out. So now we go to victory lap. But before we can do that, Vertigo shows up and says, hey, you know what? Maybe I should have done this myself. And hits uh, Green Arrow with its classic Vertigo wave. And I do love the count going. 
he's like Green Arrow's like Vertigo. He's like count to you peasant and soon <laughs> king. Um, so now cornered, leg hurt, couldn't beat the one guy in the baggage claim, concussion probably. Green Arrow is now outmatched, and there's no one around to save him. But hark, a canary cries <laughs> as <laughs> Dinah finally, I guess, deplanes um, in full costume. Uh, so it does make you question what did she wear on the plane was it the full just the leather jacket and then just the fishnet tights or did she change after seeing everything going down and also maybe in the hybrid <laughs> and as she lets out her canary cry it's an it's powerful enough to send vertigo flying towards the wall he knocks out from getting hit and now as Green Arrow tries to recover, Black Canary is looking at him saying, what would you ever do without me? And something that was alluded to earlier in the short was Green Arrow fiddling around with a box. Um, and he was commenting, like, I wish that I had mentioned to her that how much I love her, how I can't live without her. And he says, this perfectly answers the question about what I can, what I can and can't do without you. And because he's already down on his knee, we see that the box contains a ring. Very nice ring, gotta say. Very well mm -hmm. drawn. Um, and he proposes to her, which leads to Pradina saying, you better say yes, because every queen needs their consort. And this turns into a fun little play on words, because as we know, Oliver Queen, and I'm assuming Dinah being his queen, and Dinah is a queen. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of queen. <laughs> Or unless she knew his secret identity. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so here we see that Dinah says yes. And our movie closes before a passionate kiss between Green Arrow and Black Canary. In the post credit and scene, Dark Side shows up with Supergirl. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no, that was a different show's post credit scene, even though they are kind of connected. <laughs> Uh, so while we do check out to see if there was a post credit scene for this, uh, spoilers, there was not. But while we do just enjoy this little love story that we have with them once again, uh, here's a podcast from the Forgotten Entertainment family that you should be listening to the next time you're not listening to us. Hi, I'm Mike Phil. Yeah, I'm Mike Butler. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Generic Ad. Join us every Wednesday as we talk about films that seem to be forgotten by audiences, whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time or the film simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the film, maybe don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. You never know, you might find your own forgotten gem. Forgotten Cinema is available wherever you get your podcasts or at ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com or ForgottenEntertainment.com as we are a proud part of the Forgotten Entertainment Family. I swear I talk more in the episodes. All right. So we have our 11 minute short film here to celebrate Valentine's Day as Calendar Man has requested. Um, he wants the story about bows and arrows. And we felt like this was the closest thing we can get to a little cherub. <laughs> uh, how many. Because he loved to use it so much. How many smoke arrows are you giving this film? Okay, you know, Green Arrow, I'm sorry to be as harsh to you <laughs> as the writers, <laughs> but I'm gonna give this a solid five out of ten. Um, smoke arrows, it's not bad, but I can't, and I can't, you know, and there's a lot of leeway. This is just a short film. This isn't supposed to be a grand epic. But that said, I have seen some shorts in the past, Pixar in particular, that tell really emotional and deep, rich stories under 10 minutes. So I'm not saying that the length of it is, you know, the reason why we didn't get that deep exploration. I don't think that's enough of a reason. So for me, I think the main issue here is that if you want to tell a love story with Green Arrow and Dinah, a little bit of a thread throughout would have been mm -hmm. nice. You know, a mention of like a phone conversation. Maybe one day we'll have kids. Perdita shows up, you know, something like that. Nothing too crazy. But it just feels like he's going to the airport, just so happens to see a hostage <laughs> situation go down. 
And then Diana just so happens to show up at the end when he needs, when she needs him. You know, it's all coincidental. And in terms of showing Green Arrow's skills, it also, for me, let him down a little bit because everybody else was so incompetent <laughs> in, around him <laughs> that in comparison, it's like, yeah, he looks better, but so would any of us because we wouldn't run up a down escalator. Um so yeah, even though despite being a, a Green Arrow showcase, I don't think it really showcased Green Arrow that well. But that said, it's animated well. Uh, it has some fun fight scenes, and it's so short that you <laughs> can't be offended by it. You know, it's like <laughs> you don't feel like you wasted your time. But I I can't say it was the strongest story I've ever seen. How about you? Yeah, I am going to give this one. I've been going a little back and forth because like, I kind of wanted it to match up with how many duels they have. But <laughs> honestly, I can't give this short a 9 out of 10. That would be completely impossible because I need to give this a 7. This is a 7 out of 10 short for me because while... And I guess it's really because I'm giving... I might be giving it some extra bonus points. It's a little biased because I've always enjoyed the comical side of Green Arrow. Like, um, he's always been, from what I've seen, even in, like, uh, Justice League Unlimited, like, really, it wasn't even until the wave of the Arrowverse where we saw this, like, darker, grittier Arrow that was thanks to um, the story that was written out by, like, Andrew Diggle. But what's missing here is... Again, like the same things you were saying, like there's no how A connects to B. It's just it, it can't just be that like he just happened to find out like he just happened to be in the middle of this battle, this like hostage situation that's taking place. And literally all of his greatest enemies are the ones that are <laughs> perpetrating it. Like you, no one is ever that lucky. <laughs> um, I also agree that like I wish they kind of did a little bit more um with the story between green arrow and black canary it takes the assumption that people just know that this just the story between them exists that this love between them exists so i kind of agree that i wish that they we did get a little bit more context of like the two of them being together or even some sense of like um they wanted to build a life together or even like the urgency for himself to like, why did he have to go and propose in this airport? Like mm -hmm. there was no reason for her to, for him to just wait. He could have just waited until like when he met up with her, taken to someplace nice. I mean, he's a billionaire um, <laughs> mid airport. Like it's a nice moment because of how it builds up. But I think that the urgency that you were seeing here doesn't correlate to what's happening. I kind of wish that it was just more like, we saw him like get very excited about the fact that he wants to propose to her and he's ready to do so, but he's thinking about like the plan of like, he maybe has to go somewhere at a certain time, but he has to pick her up first to get to that place at a certain time. And then he just decides, you know what, after everything that went on here, realizing that I could have lost you or even, yeah, include more black canary, like show that mm -hmm. like maybe there were moments that where he almost lost her. He was just like, Seeing how I almost lost you, I couldn't wait to do this any longer. And then that's when he pops the question. I feel like this almost feels like as if Greg Weissman was just trying to write out uh, a Young Justice story. And they just couldn't include this story because of the fact that it's more dealing about the younger generation versus this green arrow that we have here. Mm -hmm. 100% agree. I think, uh, yeah, that, definitely what you're saying about Black Canary, too. It's like... You have Black Canary. <laughs> use her. Great <laughs> yeah. You just use her for anything. Yeah, we're we're missing. We're just missing some more Black Canary to tie in this love together. Because just turn it into a Green Hour Black Canary showcase. That would have been better. It would have played out better. Um, the Queen Perdita stuff is nice. It's a nice introduction. But I feel like we, if the goal was to folk to show this love that they have for each other yeah the arrow didn't was it on target mm. uh but we do get a chance to see their love kind of really explode out through the comic book pages a lot 
again, Oliver Queen and Dinah Lance have a love story that's like basically written throughout the ages. We know that they are usually the pairing. They're on par with like the Superman and Lois. Um, sometimes the Batman and and the and the Catwoman. Like their story is echoing out through the DC Comics love throughout all time, and it started really back. Oh, a little bit around their first meeting um, back in 1963, where they came face to face in a quick comic for Justice League of America, number 21. However, it really came to a head in the 1969 issue, um, issue number 74, where we see their first interaction with each other as they are forced to fight each other. Oh. Yeah, so this is when... um, Green Arrow being on the Justice League, Dinah being on the Justice Society. The two of them, unfortunately, there was a clash between both teams and um, also both worlds. So this is where when they had to come into this fight, Green Arrow ended up using a trick arrow to find a way to beat her in a way. Unfortunately for her, she had to deal with an even more tragic loss because prior to her meeting with Green Arrow... Dino was married to Larry Lance. Mm. Nothing you need to know about him except that he actually <laughs> sacrificed his life in order to save her during one of the um during something. And because of that, it influenced Dino's decision to move to Earth One and join the Justice League there. Kind of very similar to what we saw play out a little bit in the Arrowverse, to be honest. <laughs> and this led into the beginning of like the will they won't they because thanks to um, Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams, this is where we get the introduction to the story of the hard traveling heroes. So we've mentioned in the past uh, past couple episodes, I believe, where it was like Green Arrow decided to go on this journey with Green Lantern um, and they were just going to try to do good, uh, travel the world do nice things for like the little small towns in America and whatnot. Very Alan Richardson, Richardson Reacher, like in a way. <laughs> I was like, Hawk. <laughs> <laughs> and during this time um, in issue number 78, this is when we kind of get a sense that Green Arrow started to express a romantic interest um, to Black Canary. However, she kind of has always been pushing his advances away because for her, it was really too soon, given the fact that her husband kind of died like uh, like four issues prior. <laughs> yeah, bro, time and place. <laughs> but by issue number 80 or so, this is when she starts to accept within herself that like, hey, I actually do have feelings for him. And then we see in once uh, Green Lantern and Green Arrow finally got this uh, combined titled comic that they had at issue number 78. This is when it gets revealed that like it, somewhere behind the scenes, they did eventually become a couple. Um, however, comics be comicking. And, you know, this story, even though it does get shown um, in this unseen chapter, it started to play out a little bit more because once um, it really came to a head when uh, Green Arrow decided to go on his own journey and Black Canary is just at home and she found out about Speedy's drug addiction. So she was the one that stood by his side and made sure that he, during his entire uh, withdrawal scenario, he was able to get through that. And this is when the two of them finally start her and um, Green Arrow start to address that, like, there's something here, but also having to deal with the fact that, like, you know, they have to help save Green Arrow's former sidekick here. And it's a lot. You know, <laughs> unfortunately, it does sound like it's just love through trauma. But as more stories got written out, more writers started putting in this idea that the two of them were a couple. Um, we got chances to see Green Arrow and Black Canary um, talk about wanting to build a relationship and even build a family, um, especially in Mike Grell's like Greenland, Green Arrow's um, Longbow Hunter series. Uh, so this is when he tells her that like, hey, I want to build a family with you. Will you marry me? She says no, uh, <laughs> because she's like, I don't want to bring children into this world, given the complexity of our relationship and who we are as heroes and every single time having to always put our lives on the line. Um, but then eventually 
more stories came out. Green Arrow unfortunately dies. Um, this was a monumental issue because at this time they had separated, but then once he died, and thanks to Parallax, or rather Hal during his whole um <laughs> have more rings than J Lo kind of era. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, brought back his best friend and all was forgiven by that point. So they eventually decided once again that they are going to try being a couple. And it was it was successful and it turned into marriage between the two of them, leading to Green Arrow and Black Canary's wedding special number one, where they do get married. But um, during the wedding night, and thankfully this is not a PG-13 podcast episode <laughs> here. We find out that it's not actually Oliver that was in the wedding night room that night, but rather every man. But thankfully, Dinah was able to stop anything from happening. <laughs> uh, every man? The, the hell? <laughs> <laughs> it was like, I'm not throwing away my shot. I'm going to try. And it's just like, every man, you need to go to jail. Like, immediately. <laughs> what a weird comic writers. Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> You can have a wedding. You can just have a wedding. You know, it's it's right? fine. <laughs> like, do you know how pissed I'll be? If, like, upon spending money on the wedding, I'm not even married to the right person. Yeah, Jesus. So they kept on going. I mean, again, though, they were able to solve that. They were married, but then shortly after, they do get separated and they do divorce uh, due to the fact that um, we do see in something we've talked about for Roy when he lost his daughter, Leanne, when Prometheus was destroying everything and led to the, to the unfortunate murder of many people, uh, Oliver decided to take matters into his own hands and kill Prometheus. Uh, so he ended up going to jail because of it. Honestly, though, it was a bit of a sham because most people, even though they were like, we don't really find you guilty, they were like, we still need to make an example of the fact that you ki did kill someone. And while in his um, in visitation, this is when she announces that she no longer wants to be married to him because of what he did. Mm -hmm. And since then, it they had been separated for a while, but because they were such a popular couple, eventually comic books in these new versions started to put them back together. Uh, new 52 saw that they're, even though they were separated for a while, they started to team back up together. Um, even in that point, they started to introduce John Diggle because at that point, this is when the Arrow TV series was really popular and they felt like the dynamic between Green Arrow having a blonde possible love interest and the Black best friend really worked <laughs> out. Uh, so we got a chance to see that come together. And then by DC Universe Rebirth, um, this is when we saw that their love finally culminated once again. Um, even now that we are in the DC universe era, just as like this one particular set, even though Green Arrow had passed away during another crisis event after he sacrificed himself to save everyone and bring back everyone from the Justice League when they um, during this Justice League dies a moment that they had back in 2022, 2023, um, he was returned back to the living and now he has his full family again that includes um having his relationship with Black Canary and also having all of his like protégés coming in to create this family that was long talked about since the Longbow Hunters, but not in the traditional sense. He has his now kind of found family and it's all tied really well together thanks to the love that he and Black Canary have for each other. Aww. Batman, take some notes, okay? Right. Dude, be like Merry Little Batman's Batman. Get your therapy, man. It's possible <laughs> to find love. <laughs> so that is really our Bowen Canary love story here. It's a really nice one. It's one of the most iconic love stories in the DC universe. And it's probably one of the, again, there's so many different DC couples out there that we got to figure out now. Now that we've heard this, who is your favorite DC couple of all time, Andrew? By far, I have to say, um, this one took me by surprise. Honorable shout outs to Harley and Ivy, mm -hmm. uh, Robin and Starfire. Love them both. Um, but Sarah and Ava on Legends of Tomorrow, mm -hmm. um, because originally uh, Sarah, you know, she, she had just been paired off with any male character 
um, they could find. Including uh, Oliver Queen. <laughs> including Oliver Queen. And then, you know, they started exploring her sexuality. She came out as bisexual, um, you know, had a relationship with Nissa Al Ghul for a while. But that kind of aspect of her character was just kind of explored to, as they're going through time, she was just like bringing people out of their shell. It wasn't really developed. And then she met the head of the Time Bureau, Ava. And the relationship they develop over the course of multiple seasons is so fulfilling. And they go through phases. It's not just simple, you know, they get together, someone cheats. Or they go through existential questions about identity and children and um, all these different layers of working and living together. And one of my favorite aspects spoilers for a show that's been long canceled and is not coming back but oh i would i did wish it came back though. <laughs> i know <laughs> so sad uh, cliffhanger ending but at one point sarah finds that ava is a clone of all essentially a clone of and in the future there are t- millions of avas and upon finding that ava's like okay i suspect you want to leave me because i'm a clone i'm not not really a real person and sarah says I don't care because out of all of them, I found you. I love you. I choose you. And that kind of is their the blanket of their relationship that no matter what there is in their past, because Sarah has a lot of skeletons, literal skeletons in her past too. <laughs> they are willing to say, who are we as people now? Let's not ignore the flags in our past. Let's not ever stop trying to work on ourselves and each other. But Let's not say that is the deciding factor of whether we go on or not. So that their love, their acceptance has always been really inspiring. And they're a great couple. Um, who is your favorite? Mm. It's funny that uh, you bring up Sarah and Ava because it does, as you mentioned, does have a little connection to Oliver. And I've always felt that a strong, surprising couple that I've always loved seeing on screen was from Smallville, as we have Oliver Queen and Chloe Sullivan. Mm. Um, because it was an unlikely pairing, when especially when you see the growth that both of them had when they first were introduced. Like, Chloe had, was a part of the show um, since episode one. And the entire time, she's just pining for Clark, the su- Superman, this entire time. And she does find her relationships here and there. Um, some were some were really good. Some did not pan out well. Um, but you know, it, actually, you know, what? it's a ten season show that ended almost ten years ago. Um, <laughs> I did not like the pairings of like the Jimmy Olsen stuff. Like it was decent, but I hated when they introduced like the Davis Bloom when turning him into Dark Side, and then on oh, like God. the wedding day of her and Jimmy, he just starts to attack. It's it's too much, which is why when we had. Uh, Chloe and Oliver being the couple that came out basically in the last season, it just felt so right because these are two individuals who have both dated basically the main cast members here of um, Superman and Lois in some way, shape or form. And then they happen to find love by accident <laughs> um, because there are moments in which they're like either trapped together and they get really have this like deep, real conversations with each other about who they are and it's like the first time you see both of them having these deep real conversations that you didn't expect them to have that didn't feel right for them to have anyone else on this show mm. and then when they finally have this moment when they accidentally find love because they get married in this like very um it wasn't the greatest episode but it was like a magical version of the hangover <laughs> <laughs> When you find out that they got married, their first thought wasn't like we shouldn't be together or like we need to find a way to break this up. It was just, you know what? This has always felt right. Let's Mm -hmm. continue this on. And even reading into the sequel comics, they still do have this great relationship. So I'm I'm happy that we got a chance to see this version of Oliver Queen to find love and especially for Chloe Sullivan, actress aside. Um, the story that we saw her developing about her in this entire show where she finally found happiness and it wasn't 
it was after moments of where she just truly accepted herself more and more. And I briefly did talk about bad relationships, but nothing with Chloe because there is another computer person behind the scenes who was in a pretty bad relationship. And I'm counting this as the worst DC couple here as we have the killing joke producing Batman and Batgirl. God save us. (laughs) (laughs) It is not okay at all. First off, there's like an age thing that comes into question. Secondly, the way that it then further expands out where she's just like, most of their connection is due to the fact that she's just upset with him treating her like a child. And this is not just for in that movie. This is comic book accurate as well, because at a time when she was with, or at least like still connected to Dick Grayson, she's in this relationship with Batman. So Batman, I am judging you very hard for not only stealing your boy's girl, (laughs) also having a relationship with someone who is younger than you in this way, who you treat in this way, and her father is supposed to be your friend. Like, what are you doing, sir? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I know this this is kind of implied in Batman Beyond, too, about, like, that's what drove them apart, a relationship. Mm-hmm. But I think Killing Joke is especially gross because it's happening when she is still very young and very early in the career like if this happens when she's 30 i can see it you know Mm -hmm. even in the late 20s i can see batman being like oh you know there's been some time going on maybe commissioner gordon's retired but sleeping with your like co-workers daughter that you've known since she was a kid and Mm -hmm. kind of like groom to be a sidekick yeah. uh, uh. <laughs> i'm a book writers what are y'all doing <laughs> but yeah uh batman and batgirl the the love pairing i never want to see again what about you andrew what's uh your worst dc couple i mean that one's at the top of near the top of my list um Yes, Joker and Harley, we know. That's too easy. We know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't know. Legends of Tomorrow just may be in my brain because <laughs> the worst DC couple, in my opinion, is a ho- live action Hawk Girl and Hawk Man from mm. Legends of Tomorrow. The worst thing you can do for a relationship on in any story is have to tell us that these that two people are in love. That's the worst thing you can do. Now, there are some exceptions. You know, if you're telling a big myth and you want to cut to the chase, you say X loves Y and then these things happen. That's fine. That's for the story. But with Hawkman and Hot Girl on Legends of Tomorrow, every episode they were together was dedicated to telling us how much they were in love. They kept telling us we are in love. We're meant to be in love. We are lovers. And you never for one second bought that these people gave a shit about each other. (laughs) I was sick of it because every episode they kept doing it because they had no one believed it. It was so forced. It was so fake. And besides Hawk Girl, her lines were, I don't know if I love you, Hawkman, and I used to be a barista. Those are her only, most of her lines on this show. So Hawkman and Hawk Girl's romance is complicated as hell already. So to not only make it complicated, in this version they were reincarnated lovers again, but to make it complicated and then to not sell us on that love is wild to me. Um, And if you're thinking it's impossible, go watch Hancock because... It has the same story, Hancock and Charlie Theron. It's the same story, beat by beat, but you can believe it because they have some chemistry. They have tension. There's like scenes of tenderness. None of that here, not for a second. And this took up so much of the early season of the show. It's why mm-hmm. people thought this show was garbage. Um, and then there was a turnaround in season two when they were they flew off into the universe and were never brought back for a crossover, a mention, nothing, because we, everyone hated them. Worst couple 
ever. <laughs> yes, this is a very fitting fly off into the sunset that we all truly appreciated. Like Icarus, but we wanted them to fly into the sun. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh god. I'm still I'm just having flashbacks now about them. It's like they really had no chemistry at all. Like he, even when he was like trying to teach her how to fight, it was the most awkward things you'll ever see. We're not going to talk about that anymore. Don't <laughs> watch the show, speed through the parts of their relationship, their quote unquote relationship. Oh man. But that's all in all, this feels just like our DC couples. Um, some honorable mentions also wanted to bring up too. It's just like um, Citizen Cole, I think was his name in the universe. But when Wentworth Miller uh, played the nice version of captain cold on earth x he had a relationship with ray great one episode just about like showing how much of their love there was that existed um also same thing in the arrow verse we got um diggle and lila i feel mm. like they had their moments where they were like coming to a head but then um it really truly showed that they had a strong and powerful relationship and of course we always gotta shout out some of the stuff that we've seen on the animated front as well such as um we got i don't think they actually ever got together but like you know there was always hints of like batman and wonder woman yes um, oh yeah, and then um starfire and robin in the teen titan series not teen titans go where she just hates his gus <laughs> also beast boy and raven you know some honorable mentions there um but yeah i'm glad to know that love is forever and still alive in a lot of the dc universe um uh, whether it be animated live action or in comics and with that, we'll wrap up our episode because uh, Calendar Man, I think, has a hot date. I don't know. There's a I don't know what her name. What well, I'm not saying her name. I don't know what their name is, um, but I'm assuming that he wants to make sure that his appointment is on time. Unlike Oliver Queen. <laughs> <laughs> He's prepared more than Oliver has for sure. <laughs> All right, so be sure to check us out on our socials for updates on our episodes that you can find on across all of our podcast platforms, Patreon, and YouTube. And remember, take care of yourselves. Uh, enjoy this half price candy eve that's coming up. And most importantly, if you have to go and pick up someone from the airport, do them the favor and get there on time. Like, give yourself a buffer time. Don't just show up and hope that they'll just wait. And if you're sitting here thinking about Valentine's Day always being about romantic love, just know it's not always about romantic love. Sometimes it's about different kind of love, like the love of being a terrible security guard in an airport running up a down escalator. Stay true to what you love and it'll love you back, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again for listening. Yet Another DC Animated Podcast is a proud part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. If you liked what you heard, leave a review and share us with a friend. Also be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts and on social media at YADC Animated Pod.